Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first scripture lesson this morning is from the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen. Your ancestors went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Our second passage is indeed a familiar passage, the least of these. Matthew 25, 31 through 40. I invite you, if you are a visual person, to see what's going on in your mind. See these characters. See what is being put forth. If you are a linguistic person, person and you are listening for words, see what words are repeated and listen again with fresh ears. Matthew 25, 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when 
was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there was a little boy who wanted to see the face of God. So he wanted to go where God was and knew that would take some time to go to that place. So he took a backpack and filled it with his two favorite foods, Twinkies and root beer. Not bad, not bad. So slings on his backpack and gets a couple of blocks when he sees an older lady sitting on a park bench in a park feeding the pigeons. She looks so sad and lonely that the boy stops, doesn't say anything to her, just takes his backpack off, unzips it, and hands her a Twinkie. She smiles, she takes the Twinkie, and she eats it. Well, it was such a pretty smile, the little boy thought. I'm going to give her a root beer. And he did, and she smiled again. And so there they sat, without speaking for most of the afternoon, watching the pigeons, feeding them. So as it was getting on in the day, he decided he needed to go home, put on his backpack and started to walk away and then looked back one more time and ran and gave her a big hug and her smile was the best and warmest yet. So the boy ran home, comes in his house and mom says, where, where were you all afternoon? You seemed pretty happy. What, what did you do? The boy said, mom, I had lunch with God today and she has the most beautiful smile. And the lady goes home, and her adult son is there, and she's in a pretty good mood, and her son says, Mom, I know you were, you were pretty down in spirits this morning. You seem to be feeling better. What did you do this afternoon? And she said, I had a Twinkie with God, and guess what? He's a whole lot younger than we ever thought. But it is the idea of where we see God and who we see God. Specifically, how we see the Christ in the eyes of one another. Today, we are in this familiar gospel passage. It is in chapter 25. There are only 28 chapters in Matthew. And in chapter 26, the very next one starts the sequence of Holy Week or Passion Week. So this is literally one of the last things Jesus is talking to the disciples about before he enters Jerusalem for that series of events. And in chapters 23 through 25, we're in 25, is what we call the end times dialogue that Jesus has, these three chapters talk about the kingdom of God and what will happen. Right before our passage, 2531, 
The disciples have asked Jesus, what's it going to be like? What is this kingdom of God you are talking to us about? And then Jesus starts rattling off these parables, of which this is the fourth right after he has asked that question. The other three that precede this one, one is the worthy or unworthy servants. Master goes out of town for an extended time. They don't know when the master's coming back. And the servant stops doing the servant's job because he gets lazy and he doesn't know when the servant will come back. That's the first one. Second is the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Wedding getting ready to happen. There are 10 bridesmaids. Five have enough oil. Five do not. And it is about being ready, which half of them were and half of them were not. And then the third one is what we call the parable of the talents, which if, we, if you remember, the master of the house goes away and there are three servants. He gives five talents or we can call them coins or uh, currency, pieces of money, whatever. Five coins to the first one, three coins to the second and one to the third. The first one takes that five, goes out, invests, gets a great return on it. The second one, not as grand a return, but goes out, tries to do something with it, gets more for it. And the first one, or the third one, sorry, who is afraid of the master of the house, even when he comes back, he says, you're pretty much a jerk and everybody's afraid of you. So I didn't want to risk losing your money. So I took that one and I buried it in the ground. And that's when... He was condemned as not using the gifts he had been given. That's when he was condemned by the master of the house for not using and growing what he had been given. And then immediately we come here to this passage again that we know so well. So many classes, so many curricula have been written on Matthew 25, the least of these. Why? Because it focuses on Jesus telling us that at the end times in this kingdom he keeps talking about, there's going to be judgment. What do you mean judgment, preacher? We love Jesus. There's no judgment there. Well, there is. It's a part of all of this. We are responsible for our actions. We are responsible for our journey. And yes, Christ is, does intervene for us. And yet, in this passage, Jesus separates the sheep from the goat. And you want to be a sheep, not a goat. Nothing against our goat friends who are out there. But you want to be on the right hand and not the left hand side, which I take offense to because I'm left-handed. But you want to be a sheep and there's going to be separation. And what is the criteria for the separation? Is it that you can... Name all of the minor prophets, and in what time is Obadiah set? Go! Is it memorizing all five books of the Pentateuch or the Torah? It's not. Is it a level of proclamation and conversion? It's not. Here, Jesus says... It's the way that you care for others that is the criteria for the separation. 
Now, I don't want us to get confused saying, well, isn't that works righteousness? Don't we believe that grace was given to us as a gift? Absolutely. And I think these flow together in this way. We've received the grace and love of Jesus Christ, all of us. And when we accept that and live that and are motivated and moved by that, this is what it looks like. Others can observe by the way that we are feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, welcoming the stranger, caring for the sick, visiting the prisoners. What does it look like to be a Christian? Looks like this. He doesn't say, be in temple every other week. He doesn't say, make sure you go to the three travel Jewish festivals. You gotta be there, those are the biggies. He says, you've got to take care of other people in my name because my members of my family, he says, these are members of my family, all of these who are in need. And if you can help them, you need to help them. And that's how in this story, they're divided. The criteria is set. Now, again, it is not about us working our way into heaven. It's not about the hours that we log so we can put it on our heavenly time card. We receive our grace from Jesus Christ and when we accept that and welcome that in, the spirit transforms us and this is what it looks like in some ways. It's not the only way, but it's a chief way again as Christ reminds us. There are a couple of folks that are lifted up as in this vein, as having been transformed by the way that they interact with helping others. One is Francis of Assisi, who was born of a powerful family and wealthy. And the story goes that he was riding along on his fancy horse and he sees someone with leprosy and he is stricken by that man. He gets off of his horse and runs over and embraces this man with a disease thought to have been highly contagious. And then he says later, the face of that leprous man changed to the face of Christ. A second is a man called Martin of Tours, T-O-U-R-S, who was a Roman soldier and a Christian. He was said to have come into town on a cold morning with his beaten and tattered cloak, but warm cloak around him. There is a beggar there who asks him for help. And he says, I don't have money. But he takes off his cloak and he rips it in half and he gives half to the man who was shivering, who immediately wrapped up and he took the other half, went about his business. That night he had a dream that he was observing heaven and angels and Christ were there. And the angel said, Master, to Jesus, why are you wearing a torn and tattered cloak? And Jesus says, because my servant Martin gave it to me. It is that understanding that we know, and yet when we get into that moment, so much 
goes on in our heads, doesn't it? Why should I be the one to help that person? Isn't there someone, someone else? And sometimes there is, and sometimes we can't help people in the way they need to be helped. We have organizations that we are a part of, that several of which we worked this weekend. And yet sometimes on an individual level, God puts people in our lives who can become the face of Christ to us. Transformation happens when we stop, when we step out of our comfort zone, when we take a moment to help someone in the ways that we can. Now again, this happens in a variety of ways. Sometimes as a body, we support agencies that directly reach out to folks and can do more than we could do on our own. Home for good, safe house, Mercy Med, Feeding the Valley, so many more and wonderful organizations that we partner with because we know they are doing the intimate work of person-to-person -person contact. I will help you get off the street if that's what you want. Are you hungry? I will feed you. Are you naked? We will clothe you. That work is being done and we give to that and thank you for that. They who receive are transformed and we who give when we realize the impact that we have also are transformed. Ivan Rusin, who was here a few weeks ago from Ukraine, president of the Evangelical Seminary in Ukraine, telling us unbelievable and horrible and yet powerful stories of love and care and concern for people that they are ministering to in the midst of this horrible war. He told us several stories of people who kind of stumble up to them who had lost a loved one. And there are no words, but they are there to embrace them, to feed them, to clothe them, to house them to love them, to pray for them. And we can't do that unless we go there. So that is one way, again, that we know that this command of Christ to care for those least of these are, is happening. And it is transforming to a point. But what is the most rewarding I have found is the face-to-face -face interactions. Maybe it's one-on-one -on -one or certainly small group to small group of folks that we think are so different than we are, and sometimes they are. But when we get to know other people who are in some sense of need, and we can help in that moment, as someone said this morning, we often benefit more than whatever it is we've given them to help them. Because it is our soul that is transformed as we hope theirs is because they know someone cares enough for them to be there. And it is in the eyes of those individual people in which we see Christ. And which of us in this life doesn't ever 
need. Which of us in this life is never in any of these categories? We all are at some point, and we need others to care for us in those moments as well. We don't go as the crusading Christians, Christians who are going to give them the word and look down on them and give them what they need. We are going as humble servants to see Christ in them as we hope they will see Christ in us. And so again, I encourage all of us, yes, continue to participate in these agencies that do amazing work. There is transformation there. But pay attention to who and what God is placing in your path, in your journey every day. And how can you safely help them or get them help? And again, it's not just homeless. Which neighbor on your street just lost a loved one? What neighbor in your church is fighting a disease? Which neighbor at the church next door needs help that you can provide? We are a broken people and we all are in some kind of need throughout this journey. The hope and the joy is that not only when we stop to help or we figure out a way to help, but that we too are transformed. There's stuff in it for us. And yes, sometimes it won't work. Sometimes it won't be perfect. Sometimes your helping hand will be battered away by folks who don't want your help, but that doesn't matter. We are called to extend the hand and say, hey, if there's any way I can help you, let me know. Or to ask for help when we are in a position of need to say, I could use some help. Mentally, physically, spiritually. When did we see you, they said to Jesus. When did we take care of They don't even remember when they had done these things. When? And in this passage, it is when we are in the presence of others and we are doing our best to help them. That is our joy. That is our command. That is where our transformation lies. Today, in Columbus, Georgia, and the world, listen to God and heed these words. That when you have served and loved the least of these, you have done it to me, Christ says. So let us go and seek the face of Christ in one another. Hallelujah. Amen.